Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It was most peculiar out of nowhere he suddenly said religion is over. And it lies in the arts that the information, the spiritual life, will be in the vessel of the visual and the musical arts. I think it's terribly dangerous for an artist to fulfill other people's expectations. I think they produce, they generally produce their worst work when they do that. Maybe we have to exist and live on the idea that we have one day at a time. If we could do that, we may be serving some, really some great thing. I think the potential of what the internet is going to do to society, both good and bad, is unimaginable. David Bowie is known as one of the most influential musicians of the 20th century, leaving a phenomenal impact on popular music throughout his life. Although there is more to this man than meets the eye, there's an intellectual and spiritual side to him that often gets overlooked when it comes to his reputation. Although I believe this is one of the major reasons for his success, as well as his unique artistic approach to never play to the gallery. Never play to the gallery, <laughs> I think. But you never learn that until much later on, I think. But never work for other people at what you do. Always remember that the reason that you initially started working was that there was something inside yourself that you felt that if you could manifest it in some way, you would understand more about yourself and how you coexist with the rest of society. I think it's terribly dangerous for an artist to fulfill other people's expectations. I think they produce, they generally produce their worst work when they do that. But I've gotten used to the fact that uh, you just can't please all the people all the time. And I've got no great desire to be loved in a major way by faceless anonymous crowds. It doesn't really, it's not part of something that I want. And if, the other thing I would say is that if you feel safe in the area that you're working in, you're not working in the right area. Always go a little further into the water than you feel you're capable of being in. Go a little bit out of your depth, and when you don't feel that your feet are quite touching the bottom, you're just about in the right place to do something exciting. Another intriguing view David shares is the idea of artistic views being some kind of a dysfunctionality. Rather than living a steady and sustainable lifestyle, being an artist is to take a step into the unknown eliminating the stereotypical rules of society. I've often wondered if, if actually the, being an artist of, in any way, any nature, is a, a, a kind of a sign of a certain kind of dysfunction, a social dysfunctionalism anyway. It's an extraordinary thing to want to do, to express yourself in such, in such rarefied terms. Uh, 
I think it's a loony kind of thing to want to do. I think the, the saner and rational approach to life is to survive steadfastly and create a protective home and create a warm, loving environment for one's family and, and get food for them. That's about it. That's actually all. Anything else is extra. All culture is extra. Culture is, uh, you know, that's, uh, I guess it's a freebie. It's something that we, we don't, we only need to eat. We don't need uh, particular color plates or particular height chairs or anything. I mean, anything will do, but we insist on making 1,000 different kinds of chairs and 15 different kinds of plates. It's, it's unnecessary and it's a sign of the irrational part of man, I think. One of the David Bowie quotes that I find most fascinating is, religion is for people who fear hell. Spirituality is for people who have been there. This seems to be a reflection of his spiritual knowledge, as well as the studies he did on Buddhism early on. When I was, eight, when I was about 18, um, I, I studied Tibetan Buddhism for about two or three years, and I had a teacher, Jimmy Yangdung Rinpoche, who had just come over from Tibet and led his own followers over. The majority of them, sadly, were shot by the Chinese as they made their exit from Tibet down into India. He started off, I think, something like 2,000 followers and ended up with 50 or 60. The helicopters would come out there and shoot them off. Um, but he fortunately came through and he really in, in, sort of tried to guide me into an, uh, some kind of an informed opinion about Buddhism. I wouldn't say that I was a very good Buddhist. Actually, he eventually told me to exert myself in music and not run off and get my hair cut off and become a lama. But the one thing that he left me with was a sense of transience and change, uh, which actually became fundamentals to my life, my approach to it, and not holding on to anything, not considering that there is anything that will last through one's entire eternal life, living or dead. And it makes letting go very easy, material things or physical things. And looking for the source of one's own being becomes much more important. And I guess that's been sort of my, my own personal journey, is, is trying to sort out where my spiritual bounty lies, where my thread to a universal order lies. And that, that, becomes, that can become a life search. And I think that's, as a writer, probably what I involve myself in more than anything else. It was a Zen, a Zen teacher at a temple that I, I like a lot in, in Kyoto. It was most peculiar, out of nowhere, he suddenly said, religion is over. And it lies in the arts, that the information in spiritual life will be in the vessel of the visual and the musical arts. Which I thought was quite a stunning comment from this 70-year-old Zen master. I can't remember who the philosopher was, but in the early part of the century, he said that we have to kill God to reinvent him. And I think that is very much playing itself out in the later part of this century. I think we have to find the focus of, of where our religious strength lies in an entirely different area from the, the archaic and almost medieval forms that we're sort of expected to supplant ourselves to. There's a term that the uh, Gnostics use, which is called the God beyond God. And I think that there's a sense of once uh, trying to find uh, some merit in the chaos that, that we perceive as our existence. And for someone like myself who comes from Judeo-Christian upbringing, there's something that pulls with the idea of having a, a God who's a, a judge and a father and a arbiter of morals and, and whatever. It just doesn't, it seems too symbolic, it's too easy. And I think 
but the idea that uh, the early Gnostics had, which is that there is in fact the deep, the depth of the God beyond the God. There's something beyond that which one can't call a singular entity. It's something that just pervades everything. And I still think that that's probably one of the major searches that I've probably made in my life. I'm not sure how close I ever got, but I know that it does occur to most of us, I think, who work in, in, in the arts or in writing or expressing oneself. When you're expressing oneself, you're also trying to express one's existence. You know, so it's wrapped up in the same thing. Bowie's philosophical knowledge adds up to a fascinating interpretation of the 20th century, as well as a unique perspective on the purpose of life. The late 19th century, there was a, people were so aggrandized with their own sense of science and, and uh, um, the aftermath of the Enlightenment and how man himself could improve the world. Um, then, of course, it led to things like Nietzsche saying God is dead, and it led to Einstein's discovery that, that time and space aren't what we thought they were. And Freud, an understanding of another kind of human inside the human, all these things culminated in the idea that everything we've known before was wrong. Everything. So we start out the 20th century with this clean slate. We are now the gods. And the greatest thing that we could do as God during that century was create the bomb. That was what we were good at doing. And I think that in itself, in the 50s and 60s, the repercussions of what we had done by standing in for this idea of morality, ourselves creating it all ourselves, so destroyed our fix on what we should be doing in life that we're still living through that chaos right now. We have no spiritual lives to speak of. There's quasi-new religions, but there is no direct sense of what our purpose is anymore. Now, that may be a good thing because it may, it may show itself to be that we in fact do, don't have a purpose. Are we, are we big enough and mature enough to exist like that? Are we mature enough to accept that there's no plan, there's no going somewhere, there's no uh, gift of immortality at the end of this if we evolve. If we evolve far enough, we may never have to die. I mean, that seems to be the reach from the past. Well, maybe we can't live like that. Maybe we have to exist and live on the idea that we have one day at a time to live. And can we do that? Because if we could do that, we may be serving some, really some great thing. In 1999, David made a highly accurate prediction of the Internet's impact on society and popular culture, both in a positive and negative way. Up until at least the mid 70s, really felt that we were still living under the, uh, in the guise of a, a single and absolute created society where there were known truths and known lies and there was no kind of duplicity or pluralism about the things that we believed in. That started to break down rapidly in the 70s and the idea of a, a duality in the way that we live. There are always two, three, four, five sides to every question. That the singularity disappeared. And uh, that, I believe, has produced such a medium as the internet, which absolutely establishes and shows us that we are living in total fragmentation. You don't think that some of the claims being made for it are, are 
hugely exaggerated. I mean, when the telephone was invented, people made amazing claims. I know the president, for example, the president at the time when it was first invented, he was outrageous. He said he foresaw the day in the future when every town in America would have a telephone. Now that what? How dare he claim like that? Absolute bullshit. No, you see, I don't, I don't, I don't agree. I don't agree. I think the internet. I don't think we've even seen the tip of the iceberg. I think the potential of what the internet is going to do to society, both good and bad, is unimaginable. I think we're actually on the cusp of something exhilarating and terrifying. It's just a tool, though, isn't it? No, it's not. No, no, it's an alien life form. But that's—it's simply a different delivery system there. You're arguing about something more profound. Oh yeah, I'm talking about the, the the actual context and the state of content is going to be so different to anything that we can really envisage at the moment. Where the interplay between the user and the provider will be so insimpatico, it's going to crush our ideas of what mediums are all about. And, but it's happening in every form. It's happening in visual art. The breakthroughs at the early part of the century with people like Duchamp, who were so prescient in what they were doing and putting down the idea that the piece of work is not finished until the audience come to it and add their own interpretation. And what the piece of art is about is the grey space in the middle. That grey space in the middle is what the 21st century is going to be about. Rest in peace, David. Your music and intellect will remain far after your passing. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.